from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, hanging out inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios right here on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And we are also on Facebook Live where you're watching right now. So hello to everybody. Facebook.com backslash live now DT. Inside of Mon Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. Best flavors you're going to find in town. Nothing like this kettle corn anywhere. That's why they could ship it to your doorstep. Go to Ma and Pa's Popcorn com that's ma a n d pause popcorn.com find your favorite flavor and have it shipped right to you especially during everything that's been going on if you've been staying at home for the most part it's kind of a, a nice surprise to have at your doorstep so make sure you do that today they bring you what's popping the list of topics for the day and up first is katie hajmahalis and uh, we were talking about saying the name and i was bringing people through the name and and katie thank god i say the name right so uh you know that's what she tells me at least so you know she tells me i, I I'm saying the name correctly, but uh, it's been over a decade, I believe, that's that I've said Hajj Mahalis, and I, as I told Katie, I think I told Katie before, they mess up Tortora, and if they mess that up, then God only knows what they do with Hajj Mahalis, but I'm happy to have her here. She's awesome. King's College a Women's Basketball, the Monarchs head coach, a Marywood Women's Basketball alum, and a tremendous person, and so uh, more than anything else, it's always good to get her back on the show because she si- shines a bright light out there. And I know that those of you that are listening and watching can feel that and sense that. And that's what this show has always been about. But now more than ever, you know, we try to uh, provide that for you. As I know, times have been tough for a lot of people and we're trying to get to a place where there is that peace and that happiness. So very happy to have Katie on right now. And let's bring her into it. Katie, how are we doing today? Doing well, Dan. Always crushing the Hodge Mahalas like usual. So good job on that. <laughs> You know, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, it's just you. Ha- I mean, as a broadcaster, it's like that. That to me is personal. Like you have to say it correctly. But you and I have discussed the fact that your name has been many things that that have not been Hajmalas. So, you know, how how do you do? Do you deal with that now? I mean, our games being broadcast over at Kings, and you got to go over there and kind of just tap them on the shoulder and go, "Hey." This is how you say it. Let's enunciate together. Do you do you still have to tell people or no? Uh, Kings has pretty much got it down. We have a great sports information director, and he's Good. got his crew down with it. But on the road, it's fun. Like when you're doing like starting lineups, I always uh, listen over to the announcer. Most of the time, they walk over to the bench and uh, and ask how it's pronounced, uh, either to myself or one of my assistants. And uh, it's fun when they get it right. I always try to go over, give them a little fist bump, or, or talk them up a little bit when they get it down. But some of the live streams, it's hit or miss, and uh, it usually just turns into like Coach Hodge or Coach H or something like that, or the Kings coach. <laughs> the Kings coach, nice. But that's a nice name to have, though. And I got, I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say before anything else, this uh, I'm, I'm big on logos, and I just think you know, because there, there's something about it. You know, you put it on put it on your chest, put it on your hat, you know, just, it, it looks good. It feels good. I really do like this, uh, this monarch right here. How do you feel about the logo? Uh, I, I like it. A lot of people are torn because the old one was kind of, uh, 
I was there for so long. It was a it was Leo, his lion's name, leaning up against a block K, and uh, a lot of people have some nostalgia for that one. Um, the new one's pretty good. I I like them both. They they get it done. I know that with first when uh, they were putting up the new one with the rebranding effort, uh, and they were painting it on the basketball court. They have to do it in sections, obviously, and uh, it gave a little bit of a Simba vibe when uh, Rafiki put it on the tree. So that was a uh, the yeah. running joke for a while, but <laughs> now he's a little more fierce, and uh, I like him. It's strong. It's recognizable when you're out recruiting. You just, like you said, throw it on your chest, and uh, there's not other logos that look like it, so I think that's uh, a huge plus for us. You know, and I think that's really awesome that you said it. You know, it looks like when uh, Rafiki did that with with uh, with Simba's face because you could play off of that a lot. There's a lot of things that you can do in in promotion of that, and there's actually something that they do at the dome where it's like the Simba cam, and you pick and you're supposed to pick up your kid and do it. So, you know, I mean, I think you guys should do that there because you actually have the Simba logo. <laughs> yeah, make it happen. So, how are things going at Kings? I mean, this is—it's uh, actually uh, one of my uh, family members, my aunt Jeannie. It's her alma mater. So, uh, what's what's life been like over at Kings, and and how have you? Uh, we'll talk about you know navigating through this new world in a second here, but in general, outside of coronavirus and whatnot, what have you been taking away from being over to uh, Kings College, and and just what it's been like to coach that team? Uh, I think we're we're in a good spot with with everything as a, as a college as a program. Uh, we had a, a pretty successful year. We made it to our first championship game this year, and uh, just always have fun working with the people that that are in our athletic department and getting to know other people in, in different parts of campus. So I've always liked and appreciated the small campus feel and the ability to get to know people on a personal level. It's not just like walking around not knowing who people are. I interact with a lot of the other student athletes. I interact with a lot of other professors and uh, professional groups on campus. So uh, always been appreciative of that and really enjoyed it team-wise. I mean, like you said, a lot of craziest going on in the spring, but we're uh, we're finding ways to get through it and trying to keep uh, the seniors whose years and springs were cut short, um, finding ways to, you know, keep them uh, excited or finding ways to uh makes little things special along the way and same thing for our returners just trying to uh keep everybody in touch keep everybody going keeping everybody motivated so we've got a good group and it's uh it's a lot of fun to be around them for sure yeah, you know, speaking here with Katie Hajmahalis, we're we're having. I mean, this has been a crazy, obvious uh, time with coronavirus, and it's something that's never happened before. Uh, not like this, and obviously not at, uh, you know, not in not in our history. And and for you know to go through it, there's so many different angles and pieces of it. But how have you? kind of handled this as a coach like you said you know you want to celebrate these seniors and they don't have an opportunity to walk the halls and you know everybody's essentially being homeschooled you know uh, has been homeschooled throughout this process and you can't have a traditional graduation or maybe any graduation at all and so you know your season might have been done but at the same time you know you can't celebrate uh, with these seniors kind of the way that you you want to and even just getting the team together and having team dinners or reminiscing I mean some of these players that are done and their careers are up at this point you know they don't get to they don't get to do those things they don't get to be on campus just seeing their friends or, or living in their dorm room you know for a couple months you know the final the final months that they have in college and I can't imagine if you and I had to go through this at Marywood, you know, what that would have felt like to be like, okay, you guys got to go home and by the way, like bring all your stuff because you're never coming, you know, it's not like, oh, you're coming back next semester. You're, you're never coming back. You know, as a student, you might come back to visit, 
How have you navigated that? Because I, I mean, not as a basketball player, but in general, that's got to be so hard for these young women to have to grapple with the fact that they, I mean, everything ended, not just basketball. It all ended so quickly. Yeah, I think that was the the tough part because, like you said, it started out with, uh, all right, you're going home for now until Easter, and then you'll come back. And then all of a sudden it's the, oh, by the way, we're not coming back. And um, you just try to check in and shoot texts as much as you can, make phone calls as much as you can. And uh, we have a couple of kids, like one of our seniors, out of our four seniors, one of them was also a spring sport athlete. So she didn't even get to, because we, we played so long, she didn't get to go on like their spring training trip. So then when softball got canceled, she didn't even get a chance to jump into that. Same thing with one of our other uh, underclassmen. She didn't even get a chance to get started with softball before everything got cut. Um, so I think it's 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 tough because, like you said, I don't know what I would have done in that situation um, because this the spring of your senior year, that's the fun time, you know? Like, that's when you get to hang out outside when, when it's nice out. You get to go do all the fun things like uh, commencement balls, what we have here, different, like, uh, senior socials and different things that they do. So I think missing that kind of closure, it definitely stinks for them and basketball wise we uh we're just trying to find a day and a time like we put off our banquet we we haven't done one online we're trying to find we when restrictions are lifted like can we get together to do one last uh one last go around to celebrate our because it was a good year it was a year that we were finally able to make it into a championship game and accomplish some of the things that we've been uh working towards the last four years especially with this senior group i mean they were freshmen my first year when i took over as head coach so um it's a really close feeling with these guys and and it just it sucks because there's not much you can do you know so it's kind of letting them guide what what they want to do and how they want to handle it and uh just kind of worked around that speaking here with katie hajmahalis the head coach of uh, king's college in pennsylvania for the monarchs women's basketball team and part of uh, the alumni base of of her alma mater and my alma mater of marywood university as a former uh, basketball player there uh, katie for for you like you said i mean this is a good season you know this is something that's uh, that you guys like you like you had stated before you know you had built up to this moment 16 and 11 overall nine and five in your conference and you had uh, finished things up here. You're in the MAC Freedom Tournament, had a victory over Misericordia, and then uh, lost to uh, DeSales back on February 29th, uh, with this being a leap year and whatnot. Uh, what, what can you say about the season? You know, even though everything happened with coronavirus and you guys obviously had stretched a little bit longer and played all the way through February, uh, you know, how bittersweet was it because this was a good season, because you were building off of something? I mean, you still had that, that loss at the end of the season and, and didn't get to hoist the trophy for the Freedom Tournament, but where did you take everything now that you've had a chance to hindsight 2020 look back at a season that I'm sure you're proud of? Yeah, um, I think the first thing is that I'm thankful that Division Three is a little earlier than yeah. Division One. We had to end it on our own terms. We weren't stuck like some of the the big time D1s and uh, D2s that are in the middle of it. And uh, so I'm glad that we were able to kind of finish things on our own term to kind of close that chapter but as far as it goes for takeaways of the season I mean we had a couple of up and down stretches and when you look back at it it's the the appreciation for being able to take that next step in certain areas I mean that misericordia playoff game if we hadn't had a couple of stumbles before then that probably would have been a home game but we stumbled we were able to figure it out and I think just like most things in life being able to overcome that thing that you think in your head you can't do we we had a little bit of a block of like oh can we go to this gym and win because we hadn't we hadn't done it 
Um, so then to be able to walk into a road playoff game in a tough environment against a very good team, um, and then we had an awesome crowd. We, we kind of turned it into a home game since we didn't earn it on our own. We had a bunch of the student athletes and the football team and volleyball team, soccer team. Uh, they, they walked in the gym and made it a home game. So that was just one of those games where everything kind of clicks and you just get that feeling and you get the, the, okay, this is what it's supposed to be like when it's at its highest. And that was just so much fun. And to have that memory for your players, like, yes, they didn't get some of the stuff in the spring, but for them to get that moment and to feel that execution. And there was a couple of personal, um, personal player moments within that game where it's like, oh, wow, like it's clicking. And as a coach, when you see them, get over that mental block of I can't play well in big games and then they go out and, and they crush it like our, our center uh, Becker Prochak did um, and we had two freshmen who just stepped up insane and Emily Morano and Sarah High School man they just went they they went above and became sophomores instead of just that freshman who was contributing and out of good minutes so um, I think we're taking a lot away from that playoff game and then in turn going to the championship game I mean it's it stinks because you didn't we didn't go out there with that same energy um and that's that next step that we need to climb so as much as it it stings losing and and everything like that i think it gives the guys coming back something to aim for to know like all right we we've got to get to this next step and how do we go about doing that so i think it's about finding a little bit more consistency is the overall key from uh the whole season the whole takeaway from that but I think that that little taste of that consistency and of that success is going to go a long way in the future for these underclassmen coming back. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing, like you said, a taste of that. And uh, being a part of D3, uh, something that I was thinking about because I know teams that, you know, all levels, D1, D2, D3, and JUCO. And, and I was like, you know, D1, you're in the middle of your tournament, like you had mentioned. And and then you look at, uh, you know, D2 was was into the, you know, try, trying to get into the things and whatnot. They were a little bit more progressed than D1, but there were still moments cut short. You know, Lemoyne College had to come back. I spoke with Gina Castelli about, you know, being on the road and then the team coming back and then them getting a, no, a notice while they were coming home. Where, uh, you know, she had to tell her players, we're going to go back to campus. You have 30 minutes to pack your stuff and then you have to you have to leave. And so, I mean, it's like pack your whole life up in 30 minutes and uh, sorry that the basketball season ended. Sorry that school is not going on right now. Pack up all your stuff and go home. And then in D3, you know, things are a little bit more, like you said, progressed when it came to tournament time in the postseason. So, you know, a lot of teams got to end on their own terms, but everybody felt this in some way, shape or form. How how have you personally, and not just as a coach, but personally, how have you felt this this world of of you know unknown and just? I mean, we, Katie, we have <laughs> we have never seen anything close to this, and to experience this, and you and I are are young in this, and I, I imagine us as grandparents someday having a conversation, going, yeah, there was a there was this time when the world stopped, and you know, I mean, how have you handled it personally? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think in the beginning beginning of it, I mean, I didn't handle it very well. It was very tough to transition um, just because my job, I chose the job that I have because I like being around people. I like not sitting around like at a desk doing desk things all day. I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy uh, being around colleagues and all that. So to all of a sudden work from home and be completely isolated from people, like sure, FaceTime works and all that other stuff, but it's not the same as human interaction. So there were some days where I was definitely struggling with the what's going on in the world. What is, how is this going to look? What's the next step? 
job-wise. Like, I know a lot of colleges have, have had trouble because of the shutdown. And thankfully, like I said, Kings is in a good place. So that wasn't something um, that's popped up for us yet. Uh, but at that, at the beginning of it, it's a lot of uncertainty of, okay, is, is this something because athletics is still not back in society. They're starting to work it back in, but you look at it at the big scale of the world and life and it's like, okay, like what, what is going to happen next? So, um, I think there was a couple of days, uh, in the beginning that were really just tough, just as a human being sitting there like, oh wow, what the heck is happening? But, um, then you realize, all right, well, I've got to make sure I'm there for my team, make sure I'm there for other people in my life and, and try to pull yourself out of it a little bit. And then obviously the weather getting nicer has helped out, been able to get outside a little bit more. I know you have your, your walk, uh, your walk street going. I, I did that a lot in the beginning to get myself going and then fell off and now back to it. So that's been something that's, uh, been very helpful with it but I think it's just like anything else if you've got good people around you that's what's gonna kind of keep you going and keep you moving through it yeah you know and and that's the thing like you said you know you got to find something that you do and you know the walk straight today's day 52 and and I just there's something about it and and I'm a big Raptors fan so you know to uh my goal was on uh, on the 40 day I had a thing 40 days and 40 nights and and that mark was for me to be able to hit uh, 600,000 steps and I hit it and I passed it and then I just for fun looked it up because my mom goes how many miles is that and it's actually the equivalent of like driving from Syracuse to Toronto so I essentially did the trek from my hometown to my favorite team's town and uh, I thought that that was uh, that was really cool and you know one of those god moments where I just look up and I'm like of all places that it would equate it's Toronto so uh, and it was pretty cool now do you have a favorite NBA team? Eh, not really I mean I, I just like watching good basketball like I've watched I'll watch some of the Spurs because I like just the ball movement movement from things I, I'm not a big Rockets fan from uh, just isolation and just pull it up type junk yeah. uh, but I'll watch playoffs I'll watch anything now because uh, you know like I said uh, being a Raptors fan so I'm gonna ask you a question as because you've been a longtime basketball player fan coach so here's the thing if it's 24 years right that the Raptors were in existence uh, until they won the championship. So 1995 all the way to uh, last season. And so being last season winning a championship, I feel that I need and I have I feel like I've earned the right for apology letters and roses dropped off to the house. Do you believe that people that have given me crap for 24 years should publicly apologize? Oh, for sure. Anytime you get to win, you're top of the tower, so you get to you get to hang out a little bit and uh, be like, all right, told you we'd get there. So yeah, you can definitely throw in "I told you so" out there. Nice. So I mean, that's good. I just I, see because I don't I don't like tra- see if I trash talk like if I'm playing a bigger game of basketball, I can't trash talk till the game is over. We're in the car. We're home. We're eating. And then, like, maybe at some point, a couple hours later, I'll be like, "I got you, didn't I?" You know, like I can't. I if I do it on the court. I will lose immediately. I don't know what it is, but if I could be like, you know, we could be just playing horse and I got, you know, and you got H-O-R-S and I got H and I'm like, mm, I'm, you know, like I'm putting it in today and then all of a sudden I'm going to lose. And so I can't, I can't, you know, I, I think it's fun. I kind of do funny trash talk, but I have to keep it at bay because for some reason it, it, it kind of jerks back on me. Had, were you a trash talker when you were out there? Uh, no, it depended on the day. Okay. It depends on the day. I don't have that, that MJ uh, 
from the last dance kind of uh, groove where you can say one word and then all of a sudden go off. But <laughs> no, I'd say some, some stuff from time to time. But like when it was on court, like game day, I'm not really talking to the other team. It's not about them. It's I'm talking to my team. I'm getting them hyped up. Uh, but in practice, I would absolutely say some stuff to my teammates just to, just to BS with them a little bit. Who was the teammate that you messed with the most when you were at Marywood? Um, I mean, my senior year, I would talk a lot to um, Lauren Rogan or Mariah Schaefer a lot uh, when that was going. But if not, younger years, uh, some of the upperclassmen, like I always mess with them, with Woody and Alicia Woodrum for a little bit. And my roommate, D, you know, Patrice, named it was Patrice, but back then it was Gil. Um, or uh, then in that middle group of kids, I'd probably talk a lot to Steph Rosaro just because we were around each other a lot and always like guarding each other, head up on each other. You know, and, and I, I feel like I mean, there's there's got to be did uh, did Co- did uh, did Tara Machaco did she ever trash talk? Did she ever get you guys going? Uh, no, not really. She would just try to get us fired up, get things moving, and um, every now and then I'd be like, okay, she's trying to like stack the drill against us, like let's go and try to rally it that way. But I mean, that's what coaches are supposed to do, you know? Like it wasn't yeah. ever anything uh, anything bad. What did uh, when you when you look back on that time at Marywood? I mean, Tara was there for a while, and and after Tara. You know, came uh, came Gabby Holko. She was there for a season, and now she's at Susquehanna. And then from there, uh, Jen Carlton, who uh, just came in and finished off her first season. What did you? So you know, I mean, Tara really had the longevity. I think it was something like uh, 15 years or something like that. I know she was there the entire time I was there, uh, and and has carried it carried on through for a while. And now she's over at Wilkes. What did you take away from Coach Machaco when you were there? Um, I think I definitely that competitive side of it. She always wanted to win. She always wanted to be in it. It didn't matter like it was, if we were struggling early on because we weren't uh, as good as some of the teams in our conference. It didn't matter. It was always the striving to be competitive, to go out there and go after it. Um, she's always known her uh, her X's and O's and able to draw stuff up. And I always liked in practice, too, how she let us uh, play a lot, kind of play through mistakes, kind of get the groove and get the feel of things wasn't always stopping it every five seconds and now if we were learning something it'd be different but once we kind of knew what we were doing and what things were going on she let us play through it and a lot of drills where you're getting that flow and you're trying to get those competitive juices going so that's something that um i try to take again to my practices a little bit more of all right once we've got things down like all right let's play through it you guys kind of run it try to feel that flow and find that rhythm um, and then I'll jump in here and there. So that's something that, like I said, I always appreciated, like her competitiveness and her, her ability to kind of let us play and her, her knowledge of the X's and O's. And and now you have kind of a unique situation that you get to go up as a head coach. And, you know, there at Kings, you have played against your alma, or you have coached against your alma mater of Marywood University this past season with Jen Carlton there. And you've also uh, are coaching up against your old coach, uh, Tara Machaco at Wilkes. What has that been like to coach against your alma mater and against your old head coach? I mean, the first time, even when I was an assistant, we ever went up to Marywood's gym to play. I was just like caught in the nostalgia of it. Like it's you immediately have memories flooding back of either good practices or bad practices or hanging out in the locker room because it's the exact same building. We were the class that opened up that building. So um, it was very it's very cool feeling to go back in that gym. But just being on the other side of it. Um, and then it's just it's fun to play against against your team. I mean, the last time we went the, and played at Marywood uh, for the Cross County Challenge, my old college roommate happened to be the athletic trainer on staff for that day. So it was a whole mess of uh, 
like I said, good nostalgia sitting in the training room after she's done taping my athletes and we're sitting there like when we were in practices, uh, just talking and, and carrying on in the, in the training room for a while. So that was very cool. And then I think it, it, the first time going up against coach Tara was weird. Um, a good weird, but it was weird for sure because it's the, all right, I think I have an idea of how she's going to play things or how she's going to do things or tendencies that I try to remember, even though some of the plays have changed or some of the defensive play, plays of um, calls have changed because of personnel and all that good stuff. But um, it's, it's a cool, it's more of a cool cat and mouse because it's like, Oh, I kind of have the tendencies down. I think I know what I can guess is going to happen and try to play that game with it from there. So it's always nice to catch up to just um, having somebody in the league that you know um, is always fun. Just to be able to catch up before games or after games or if stuff stuff's going on, you can easily just call each other. I mean, we've gotten together now for our our game every year. Uh, we play everybody twice. So the last time that we play Wilkes uh, for the last two years, we've turned that into our um, Play for K game, which is Breast Cancer Awareness. Um, so we've done we alternate if we're the home game we we host the actual pink game but if we're the away team uh the away team hosts a free clinic where we collect donations um for the cause as well and sell different t-shirts so each year we've worked on expanding that and i think that's because we have that existing relationship um and then being a mile apart our campuses are a mile apart it's a cool dynamic in town so we try to pull both of our camp resources and all of our our personal relationships within within town to raise money for a good cause so i think that's something that if we didn't have that relationship it'd be a little bit more difficult and it may not have happened the way that it has so i think that's probably the best thing that's come out of it yeah you know and and for you i mean obviously like you said you know doing good things to, that can come from this and and helping out so, you know obviously uh, the fight against cancer and then having that connection uh, with coach machaco has got to be interesting how much do you know about uh, jen carlton did you get to spend any time with her when you faced off against Marywood? So I, I saw her, I met her over the summer with um, recruiting a, a local event. It was the first time that I met her. And then uh, when she did get hired officially and after that, uh, with the announcement out, I made sure I, I shot her an email and said, hey, uh, welcome Marywood alum, best of luck. You need something in town, like let me know. So uh, limited talking, like, talked to her a little bit around the Cross County Challenge, but that was when everything was and it's just getting going and um tournament two games in uh two days so didn't get a, a ton to talk to her but my impression i know my former boss um brian donahue he knew jen um as well so there's a little bit of connection knowing each other a little bit but uh not a ton with it so so i mean as you as you kind of grow and, and connect with this i mean not just not just with uh you know your alma mater and not just with your old coach uh tara machaco being at wilkes and you doing what you did since marywood but uh amanda Lass, who obviously a different last name now now that she's married but amanda who played for uh, marywood she's coaching uh, high school out in vermont she's going to be on the show i mean what does it mean to you to see that you know, former players and, and even a former coach that, you know, you're all kind of in this thing and there's there's coaches that are developing out of Marywood University and going other places. And, you know, these these former players are now coaching former players or coaching our current players, I should say, like yourself, you know, paying it forward. What does that mean to you that there is essentially this Marywood tree of women's basketball alumni who are now becoming coaches? That's awesome that Lass is going to be on the show. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. We we talk randomly because I know that she's in coaching, and she'll hit me up with a Facebook message asking about players or coaches, um, coaching stuff 
Um, she actually coaches in Vermont where my former boss, Brian Donahue, was in the same league. So we had, um, they send me pictures when they see each other. I get a nice cool uh, photo of the two of them. But to see, like, Amanda being uh, being a coach, I mean, it makes sense because some of those guys when we were playing, it's they you, you can understand that they see the game and they respect the game. And for anybody who wants to pass that along, I'll always have a huge like reverence for that. And even, um, Lauren Rogan, who was a freshman when I was a senior, um, she was, she's been coaching locally up here at like Abington Heights for a while as an assistant. Um, and, uh, I still talk to Mariah Schaefer from Marywood and she's, she was coaching for a while or I still call her up with different coaching things. So to see my teammates and people who either came after me as well at Marywood, um, out in the coaching world, I think that speaks a lot to the, either the type of people that if it was Tara recruited or Gabby or, or Coach Carlton have um, recruited, it, you, it's always nice when you see people who have that passion and want to pass pass it along because I know that that's how I felt and I know that um, it's not something that I take lightly with the responsibility of being a coach and passing along those skills and just those different things that come along with athletics and life and that, that natural talent thing. So um, it's something that I always appreciate and I'm always rooting for those people unless they're planning against me for the day. Um, but <laughs> yeah. so you always root for, for your teammates and, and anybody who wants to spread the love of the game to anybody. Speaking here with uh, Katie Hajmahalis, head coach of King's College Women's Basketball for the Monarchs and uh, Marywood University Women's Basketball alum as as well. And uh, Katie, for, for you, I mean, to go through coronavirus, as we had talked about before, and this really kind of awkward time, how did you handle and how did you kind of attack recruiting and the virtual scope of it? And, you know, I mean, I know that some schools were using drones to show their school and show their facilities and whatnot i know you know some are taking pictures utilizing instagram i know some coaches were connecting with their team by doing tiktok videos and whatnot so how did you attack the technological part and utilize things that are at your disposal that we wouldn't have had 10 years ago 20 years ago if this had happened how did you you know kind of not only in recruiting but with your current team members try to continue to keep the message of Kings alive and bring in new players as well as, you know, give, give your current players something to get excited about. Yeah, I think the, the way that we had to learn and figure out technology a little bit faster with everything uh, was definitely something that uh, is helping recruiting-wise. I mean, we were able to get virtual tours up pretty quickly um, once we knew what was going on and being able to utilize that for future recruits. Um, we also did a lot more revamping with our our messaging because um, I think when we were trying to figure out all right well how do we continue like our weekly messaging to our recruits it was the all right well they're not going to be doing online school are they going to be wanting to read long emails are they going to want to be doing different things so we tried to make our messaging more efficient and try to break it down into easier topics I mean my assistant did a phenomenal job of creating um, different newsletters and different um, social media platforms we jumped huge on our instagram um to create stories of highlighting just our players um and i think it was something that it was good for the recruits to see and hear our players words and personalities um but i think it also was something cool to keep our current roster connected and feeling like they're involved or contributing to the team even though they're not on campus able to physically be with each other it's all right well, let's talk about your favorite memory from the season. Like, let's let them relive that, and then let's post it on the social media that, sure, recruits are following it great, but it's also the Kings community because there's a lot of either alums following it or um, other just students that are currently in school. So I think that 
the Instagram social media piece to it was something that was uh, helpful to both the recruiting and the current roster. Um, I think also recruiting wise, we, we did ended up doing a lot of FaceTime or Zoom calls because all right, spring is usually our time where we bring on those rising junior or rising seniors, the junior class, and get them introduced to campus and doing their overnights. Like they've come up and they've seen games, they've done the tour, but it's getting a chance to go sit and talk with our team. But unfortunately, you missed out on that with nobody being on campus. So we we tried to bring that uh, campus to them with FaceTimes and Zooms and. We're working on setting up uh, some meetings with uh, where they can talk to the current roster instead of just hearing it from me. Uh, this is the next step of things. But uh, current roster-wise, we ended up doing um, – we have a fun group, obviously very competitive. We started doing trivia nights um, once every couple of weeks. Um, we'd work with our sports information director. He loves hosting trivia nights. Um, and one of our men's basketball coaches, he's like a trivia junkie. That's what we do as uh, friends. I know you were a trivia bar host or whatever. That's what we do uh, yeah. when we're not in season. We'll once a week, a couple times a week, we'll go find different trivia nights. So um, our players will always talk about wanting to do trivia nights and this and that. So we work together and we came up with a system where we're doing Zoom trivia nights and putting the team against each other and having a running tally. Right now it's all tied up. So we've got to have a, a rubber match at some point here. Um, so I think doing that with the current roster, we did a few more individual meetings, again, via FaceTime, because, yes, yeah, you can text and check in, which we're doing um, as a staff with everything. But just seeing somebody, it's different. So we, we did a few more individual meetings than we had in previous just to make sure everybody's on track with school and what questions do they have, because our guys weren't able to move out of campus and come and get their things until two weeks ago. Like, it was just recently that they were able to get in on campus, so... We've just been trying to uh, bridge those gaps and answer questions as we hear information because it's still an evolving thing. Are we coming back? What's fall sports going to look like? What's this? So trying to pass along that information as we hear it is, is something that we're also really trying to do what we can with without getting anything wrong or getting hopes up because it's so fluid. Things can change in a heartbeat. So it's uh, it's been a definitely interesting time, but technology for sure is uh become my my friend and as much as i'm not great with it it's uh it's nice to have young assistants who know how to do all the fun instagram things or tiktok things or whatnot to, to get it going for everybody else yeah well yeah now it's obviously good to have people in that situation that can uh that can do those things yeah but the trivia side of it i got to talk with you uh, off the air about that a little bit because uh, we had to you know obviously stop doing trivia and there's there's some ideas that i have about uh some virtual trivia so we'll have to talk about that but uh two quick topics before i, I let you go uh katie first uh, the the topic of you know just the state of the world you know we, we we went through being locked down we went through being i mean i remember when sars happened and uh you know people in china and if people were traveling from asia and whatnot they would be wearing masks but nobody else was and you know now we live in a world where you know people are wearing masks all over the place it almost looks like the movie 28 days later it feels like the walking dead sometimes so you know it's it's just been a really weird scenario and you know to for those people that were in really bad relationships and then had to sit at home together for two months my best to you but uh you know for those of us that have a house to ourselves hey but uh you know it's uh, it's been one of those things where uh you know, we, we we went through this time where we were just kind of sitting. And, and, and like you said, you went out. I mean, at first it was tough, but then you went out and you started doing things for yourself. And, you know, I got on this kick of, okay, I'm going to walk. And then I started to own it and it became mine. And 
it became like this, you know, this thing. And now I'd feel guilty if I didn't. So there's, there's, you know, that positive swing, but we were trapped. We were essentially, you know, we couldn't find toilet paper sometimes. We couldn't find chicken. We couldn't find bread. Uh, if you were living in Syracuse at Wegmans, for some odd reason, we couldn't find chocolate chip cookies. Thank you to all you Syracusans that love some chocolate chip cookies. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff that, that it was just really difficult. And then amidst all of this, we're home. And a video, you know, comes online of George Floyd in eight minutes and 46 seconds. And you look into the eyes of somebody who literally uh, took somebody's soul, essentially. And it looks like some sick part of a, it looks like the climax of a movie. It looks like the Joker. It looks like somebody who, uh, you know, had the devil in his eyes. And, and, and it just, it was, it was such a, I mean, I can't, it made me sick to my stomach. I decided to watch it at like 1.30 in the morning, so uh, that was that was not probably the best thing for me to do, but I wanted to see it, and I wanted to, you know, understand really what was going on, and and so here we are, and 50 states are, are protesting uh, peacefully. Uh, there has been some rioting, unfortunately, and some violence, but 50 states have protested, uh, other countries have protested, and we're living in a world right now where if we're silent, then uh, essentially, I believe we're part of the problem. So I've used this show. It's always been a safe haven, but now more than ever, I'm reminding people, hey, you know, you want to talk about it, we could talk about it. So where is your stance on everything, Katie? Because it's going to take all colors of the rainbow, all creeds, all backgrounds, men and women, to find a way to kind of hold hands together and get through this. What can we do? From a leadership standpoint, you are a teacher, you are a coach to some of these kids, you are a mom, you are an aunt, you are a big sister, you are a friend. So what do we do from your perspective? I think it's a lot of the education piece. We have to take it upon ourselves to figure it out because uh, same thing, I've always considered myself very much like Black Lives Matter. Everybody should have basic human rights. Um, It's always something that uh, I don't understand why, I guess, uh, certain people don't see this as human rights or why this is an issue. That's always bothered me. Um, but like you said, watching watching the George Floyd video, it just, I think that's, it's weird to say, and I don't know if this is going to come out right, but that's one good thing that came out of the pandemic is everybody was at home. There was no other distractions. And people who aren't aware of uh, police brutality or just the way that racism is still alive and kicking, um, I think it forced people who aren't normally able or wanting to pay attention to have to pay attention because there was nothing else going on. The world was slowed down, and they had to watch this horrible, horrible thing happen. Um, so I think that's not that it's a positive, but I think it's a positive that so many people became awakened because they were forced to see that this racism is alive and it's kicking. And it's um, it's nice to see more people backing Black Lives Matter and trying to create actual change um, with things. And I think as educators, I I considered myself always to be someone who went out of my way to try to learn things and gone out of my way to educate myself and not rely on others. But that being said, I think the amount of things that I've learned in the last two weeks, like how did I not know about Black Wall Street? How did I not know about like Rosewood? How did I not know um, just basic things that I feel like we should have all been taught. So that's something that I've struggled with and and gone out of my way to try to learn more these last couple of weeks as things are going on. And I've been trying to keep a running document. I reached out to a friend, another Marywood um, alum, um, Sam Christopher. I reached out to her because she's a um, a librarian and she, I consider a very um, 
just on top of these types of issues. And I've always uh, respected her opinion. So I reached out to her and said, hey, what resources would you recommend that I can put together for the team? And I've been working on a running document so that way when we have our next team meeting, it's the, hey, here's some stuff if you guys want to educate. I've sent it to some players already who, I, when everything happened, I, I shot them all a text and just said, how are you handling everything? Like, um, I'm, this is how I'm feeling. If you want to talk about it, like, I'm here. Um, so a few of them, like, I, I've sent some resources to already, but we also even went to um, our platform, like our Kings Women's Basketball Instagram page. Um, we stopped doing our recruiting social media for for the week because we wanted to make sure uh all right we have a platform like let's use it let's try to if i as a 33 year old woman who considers myself to be very educated didn't know about these things then these kids probably don't know things as well um so let's try to get some of these stories out there let's um let's give them resources if they're not registered to vote i, I don't care who you're voting for that's your thing uh whatever um but you guys should have a voice in it. So we put out resources on how to vote, how to figure out what issues you care about, how to find out um, who's on your exact ballot based on where you live. Um, here are some history stories like the Black Wall Street, the Tulsa, Oklahoma um, massacres. Like, here's information. Like, learn about this. Here's some local black. I researched um, and reached out to some different organizations um, online and tried to get their lists of local black owned businesses. Like, okay, if this is something that matters to you, here's here's in our direct college community places that you can go and spend your money and different things that you can do for that. So um, I think putting that on our team social media, I don't know if maybe some people wouldn't agree with it, but I think that's a broader audience than, than we might have the ability to get to. So um, we wanted to make sure we used our voice for that um, uh, to, to try to promote this, this idea that it's absurd that we're still fighting racism, but it's not because it's systemic and this is what's going on. So let's try to find our peace. Let's try to find uh, what things we can control and, and go after it. So, and then I think personally as well, it turns into a lot of Facebook comments are popping up and maybe in the past I wouldn't say as much. Um, so now it's just all time in and I'm not going to argue. I'm going to give you facts. Like here's your, this is false logic. This is, just different ways to look at it because you're caught up in literally the white privilege everybody's talking about or you're picking sides you're pointing out the wrong thing like sure nobody wants rioting but you have to understand that nobody should be dealing with the issues that these people are dealing with that black people and people of color are dealing with so um then i've just been trying to be more engaging and try to do things by example and, and educate myself and be a little more proactive than i had been in the past you know, and Katie, and I want to commend you for that. Honestly, I think that that is tremendous. I mean that that is that is a multi-layered response. That is that you like you said immediately. You reached out to your to your team. You you sent them messages. You told them how you were feeling. You wanted to know how they were feeling. You went to your social media and you put that out there. You went and found resources and sent those off. You talked to people that you trusted. Like you did, if you did one of those things, I would have been like, I would have been in the studio clapping it up, saying, "Okay, great!" Like you did something. But I mean, there's people that have done nothing. There's there's universities and colleges that have said nothing. There are coaches that have said nothing. There, you know, I mean, if we stay silent, do you agree that that is almost you know silence is 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 acceptance or silence is being complicit? I mean, can you stay silent as a coach? Right? Can you stay silent as anybody right now? But you know, in your seat, 
you jumped on it right away and said, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, and then I'm going to learn this and I'm going to bring this in. Like, I mean, I wish every coach had a game plan like you did in that respect. What do you say to the coaches and the people and that, that are just not saying anything right now? Uh, I think to an extent, for sure, silence means acceptance. I'm with you on that, for sure. I also feel like there was a weird point where some people were saying things just because they felt that they had to say things. And that yeah. I don't, um, I think is also just a weird like dichotomy of things. Uh, and I, I was struggling like, okay, are you saying this just because you feel like you have to say this and you want to use it as some type of angle for whatever. Um, so I think that there is a balance. Like if I think you need to make your stance known. I think we're at that point that it's a, you're for it or you're against it type thing. And if you're silent, then, then you're against it. Um, is, is my personal opinion on it. But I also think there's something to be said of you don't have to promote every single move that you're making. I don't have to go out there and tell everybody, hey, this is all the stuff that I'm doing. No, like, you know where I stand on it, but I'm going to make sure I'm actually doing the work. And it's, I'm not saying it just to say it to have some good save face with something. No, I don't, I don't care on that side of things. It's the what are you actually going to do? So I think at its, right now, yeah, you have to pick side and then you have to act accordingly you have to go find ways actively and you can't just sit there and think saying something is enough so i think it's a weird double-edged sword for me yeah you know and that's the thing and you will hope that people are saying things because they mean it and not because they feel like they have to so you know that's that's what it always comes down to as well you know are you saying this because it's something that you mean are you saving it so are you saying it to save face to get people into your business to buy your products i mean it's it's about you know the reality but the thing is you know and i'm a true believer in this everything comes out in the wash so the people that are telling the truth we're going to know and the people that because you can't lie forever and you got to remember your lies and i tell people that all the time i said for 17 years i've never had to think did i say that on the radio because i know what i said you know what I mean? Like I came onto the show and said, I didn't understand Colin Kaepernick in the beginning. I, you know, I, I thought of things a certain way. I didn't understand black lives matter versus all lives matter. I didn't get it four years ago the way that I get it now, but I get it. So, you know, it's like, cause if somebody wants to go back and find a tape and go, Oh, well look at, you know, you said this about Colin Kaepernick or you thought this about the flag. And I'd say, yeah. And then watch the last four years about how I spoke with other people. I talked about it. Rob Drummond came on the show. It's not about the flag. You know, so it's, I mean, I have learned, and I think it's important for me to go back and say, this is what I've learned. This is what I didn't know. And this is where I am now. I've always appreciated every color of the rainbow, but in order to truly understand someone in the black community, you have to speak to them. And that is why, you know, I mean, they're on the show no matter what. I mean, every color of the rainbow is on this show because that's just how I run it. But, you know, now to have those conversations and to speak about, the actual play and the fact that I am sickened by the the reality that every single person that I know from the black community up to this point in conversation when I've said, do you have a time where you didn't feel safe by law enforcement? Yes, Dan. It was when I was five years old. Oh, no, Dan, it was when I was walking home. I mean, everybody has a story and they can pull it up immediately. And it's not good enough for me to say, oh, okay, well, it didn't happen on my doorstep. So, you know, let's like, I'm not the person where I open the door and I see somebody getting murdered next door and I go, well, thank God it's not me. And I shut my door and I lock it and I turn my security system on. If something's happening to somebody else, if you see something, say something. 
And if the world was reversed and it was against you and it, you know, and this was happening, if, if women had the upper hand in history and men weren't allowed to vote and men weren't, weren't getting paid as much, would you want women to stand up for you? Or would you want them to just keep going to work? And, you know, I ask people that all the time that, that have racial, racial tendencies, uh, negative tendencies, prejudice, sexism. I always ask them what they would do if it was reversed. And it's funny. It's, it's a sad funny when you hear people say, oh, that will never happen. And I'm like, well, if you believe in reincarnation, you might come back as the exact thing that you don't understand and respect. So, you know, because that's how God works, in my opinion. So I, I'm floored by sitting here in 2020 and having 400 plus years of, of racism and, and hate. And I'm, I'm, I'm also upset with the fact that I'm speaking with a tremendous woman in society who, you know, if you and I had a lot of conversations right now about equal play, equal pay, equal rights, uh, you know, what about, you know, being able to speak up, uh, being objectified, a certain way that you have to look in society in America, how men can look however the hell they want, but a woman has, a woman has to look a certain way. You know, I mean, there's so many things that need to change, and we have to do it by listening. We have to do it by having a conversation. And as I always tell people, just like if you want to learn about the black community, you speak to the black community. If you want to learn about pregnancy, you don't talk to a man. So, you know, it's it's just the reality of going to the source of the issue and the source of the problem and finding a way to stand together. And I don't think that we're ever going to come through this with the answers that we want and the solutions that we want if we don't all find a way to stand arm in arm, even if it's not on our doorstep. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think what you said is right. I think it's, we have to listen to the black voices and let them lead this because what we've done hasn't worked and we need to all recognize our role in this. And this is like a systemic issue. So it's a system that kind of needs to change, but the system doesn't change without um, without people buying into that and finding ways to to be better people and finding ways to uh, follow the leads of like we said like you said listening to the black black voices and letting them share because we're we've never had those experiences and um, and it's something that we can't fix what we don't know so we need to at a certain point be quiet and listen and follow and then on our own do that research do do all the work that needs to be done and then find the best ways to support things and 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 move from there because like you said there's so many issues there's a lot of intersectionality like you can talk feminism you can talk lgbtq uh, um uh just inequalities as well with the, the last supreme court ruling and stuff like the the fact that that finally got passed there's so much more that things could be um could be done to make things better but it's it's taking those steps and those active steps and realizing we have to all take those steps forward in order to make this change so i think that's something that's um exciting that it's more people are buying on but it's also sad because it's taken this long but it's also uh, it's just a whole mess of emotions for me i don't know about you yeah, it is. You know, it's like I'm happy we're having the conversation. I'm upset why we're having the conversation. I I can't stand to, I, I, I don't understand why some people have not changed their hearts and minds after everything that's happened. And then at the same time, you know, I, I have friends that we're doing live shows with and they're crying and I'm going, listen, I, you know, I appreciate you telling your story and I don't want to push you. And they're like, no, I, I have to talk about this. So it, it's just, it, it's time. It's time for a change. And like I tell people all the time, Freedom was God-given. It was taken away by man. God didn't make anybody here and say, well, you're free, you're not. It's, you know, people decided to make choices, and for some odd reason, out of 
out of whatever, you know, this has gone on and it doesn't need to be this way in any way, shape or form. We all want the same stuff. And I say this all the time on the show. We all want to be healthy. We all want to make enough money. We all want to do the job that we love. So we like going to work. We want to marry somebody that we appreciate that appreciates us. We want our kids to have a future. We want to have good health care. We want to have a safe home in a safe neighborhood. We want to have good schooling. We all want the same stuff. Not, I mean, maybe not everybody, but 90 whatever percent, we want the same things. So why does it got to be so hard just to find a way to do it? And it takes nothing. It takes, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So you're putting in more work to be pissed off than you are to be happy. And I don't understand uh, why it's, why it's so difficult. But Katie, with people like yourself, I'm hoping that, you know, we can continue to change the world for the better. And you have an amazing job because you are a teacher and you are, you know, you are a, a, a mentor. You are a, a some, somebody that could touch a life today that will last absolutely and positively forever. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep working hard and uh, keep, keep making people like me proud to know that uh, somebody that I respected so many years ago at Marywood is out continuing to do a tremendous job so just know that i'm in your corner and and i i know that you'll use your platform for good things and i know you already have i appreciate it so much dan i really do like i said i have always respected you and i appreciate your opinion and that we're still able to connect is just an awesome thing so keep using your platform to spread all of your light as well it's 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 fun to follow along for sure and my last thing, and this is selfish, and I'm sorry, I need some Monarch gear so I can sport it here. <laughs> <laughs> you get me an address, I can make that happen. All right, cool. I'm excited about that. So with all that being said, Katie, thank you so much. Please, uh, to you and your family, uh, stay safe uh, now and always, and I'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Right back at you, Dan. Thank you. All right, take care. Uh, coming from uh, Katie Hajmahalis once again. I got to ask for the gear. You know me. I like to shamelessly plug. So we'll take a step aside for a fast break. We're going to jump into our running back rankings in just a moment. So stick with us here where Sports Meets Life on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Tremendous, tremendous conversation. We need to change the, We need to change so much about this world. And it's going to start day by day, piece by piece. And with people like Katie Hajmahalis, I believe that we can do it. You don't have to be black to support the black community. You don't have to be a woman to support women's rights. You don't have to be Italian. You don't have to be Hispanic to, I mean, it doesn't matter. We just have to understand that at the end of the day, we all want to be loved. We want to show love and we want to know that we're safe and that our kids are safe and that we can live a life that we could be proud of and that we're in control of our own life. It comes down to safety, security, health, and happiness. And every single person in the world deserves the same opportunity for that. And you can fight me on that all day, but I'm not going to change from that.